This is Bigger Pockets Daily, the audio sidekick to the Bigger Pockets blog. I'm your host, Tyler. And think about it this way each of these episodes is like one short chapter from a giant audiobook written by the world's best and brightest real estate investors. Okay, almost time for the show. We'll get right into it after this quick break. You're trying to close on your next rental, so why is your insurance company dragging its feet? With long lead times and never-ending paper forms, it's no wonder it takes forever to finally get a policy. Modern investors deserve better. They deserve Steadily.com. At Steadily.com, you'll get fast, affordable landlord insurance available online 24-7 in just a few clicks. You can even get next-day coverage, which takes just minutes, by the way, to obtain. And you can do it all from your phone. Steadily was founded by landlords who created insurance products tailored to the unique needs of this industry. It's their sole focus, and that's why landlords nationwide consistently rate them 4.8 out of 5 stars. So whether you've got a single family, short-term, or multifamily portfolio, Steadily.com can secure the best coverage at the best price to protect your properties. Discover how Steadily can save you both time and money on your rental property insurance. Visit Steadily.com for a commitment-free quote tailored to your needs today. This show is sponsored by Airbnb. Did you know that a long time ago, before I ever started my real estate business, I turned one of my first primary residences into an Airbnb? And that's the extra income that I needed from Airbnb that gave me the confidence to go out and work for myself and eventually quit my 9-to-5 job. And now I have dozens of Airbnbs all over the country. I've even partnered up with the old David Green on a recent property in Scottsdale to take our portfolio to the next level. And of course, we host it on Airbnb. But you don't need to be a full-time real estate investor to start on Airbnb. As a matter of fact, I was self-managing 10 properties while working my 9-to-5 job, so I know anybody can do it. Think about it this way. You're looking for extra income and going on a vacation. Wouldn't it be great to rent out your space and let your property pay for itself while you're gone? I did this one time. I pitched my wife and my roommate because we were house hacking on the idea of renting out our home, and it paid for all of our expenses on a trip to Mexico City. So go and give it a try. It might just change your life just like it did mine. And I really do mean that. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Meet RentApp, the seamless, secure, free way to collect rent. Built by a team of fintech veterans behind Square and Cash App, RentApp uses ACH bank transfers to deposit funds directly into your account. You don't even need to download anything. RentApp setup is straightforward for renters, and there are no apps for landlords to download. Both get peace of mind with a digital transaction history. That means no more lost checks, managing a dozen different payment apps, or even wondering whether payment was sent. Landlords say RentApp is the most convenient way to collect rent, and we think you'll agree. RentApp, the free and easy way to collect rent. Learn more at rent.app landlord. That's rent.app landlord. Eight Ways to Trick Yourself into Becoming Wealthy by Brad Lonis. It's not how much you make, it's how much you keep. Robert Kiyosaki, Rich Dad, Poor Dad. The balance in our investment account wasn't getting any bigger. I studied the ways of wealth building and knew what to do. I had tattooed the pay yourself first principle on my brain. We had a budget, and right there at the top was a line item for setting aside 15%. Still, Every month, there seemed to be something unexpected that would pop up and derail our efforts to set aside money for investing. In The Total Money Makeover, author Dave Ramsey suggests that success with money is 20% head knowledge and 80% behavior. 
That seems about right. In my experience, most people at least have an idea of what they're supposed to do with money. Some of us even study it extensively. And I know for a fact that good money habits are not rocket science. But actually doing what needs to be done can seem very difficult. At times, impossible. Even with the best of intentions, it takes more than knowledge. Sometimes we need to actually fool ourselves. Artificial scarcity. When it comes to mindset for growing our wealth, we need to abandon the fixed pie or scarcity mentality, the belief that there is only so much money to go around. According to this worldview, if one person has more money, then it must have been taken from someone who now has less. Instead, we must replace this thinking with an abundance mentality, the belief that there is more than enough money in the world for each and every one of us to prosper and become wealthy. There is. But while the abundance mentality is effective when thinking about how to earn money, it's exactly the wrong approach to managing the money that you already have earned. If you believe that money is easily replaced, then you will also spend more freely. Easy come, easy go. A simple concept from the book The Millionaire Next Door by Thomas J. Stanley and William D. Danko has laid the foundation for our approach to managing our money. Stanley and Danko studied the very question of how the wealthy manage their finances. How did they become millionaires? How do they control spending? They create an artificial economic environment of scarcity for themselves and the other members of their household. When managing the money that they have already earned, the wealthy tend to adopt a scarcity mentality. In other words, we need to trick ourselves into believing that we earn less money than we actually do. In today's podcast, I'll explore a number of ways to do just that. Number one, siphon money at the source. Probably the most popular and widely adopted method of reducing income is to siphon it off at the source. With authorization, many companies will automatically make contributions to retirement accounts on behalf of employees. This means that the money has not only been set aside, but also invested before ever reaching the employee's bank account. Let's face it, whatever money is in your bank account is at risk of being spent. This approach to saving and investing allows you to make a good logical decision for your future when you are being rational. Later, when emotions get involved, I deserve it. You simply don't have the money available to spend. Some employers will actually allow you more options than just putting money in a retirement account. What if you want to save up a deposit for a rental property? Check with your HR department to find out whether you can siphon off additional funds into a savings account. Just be sure that you don't have easy access to this account or that there are penalties for withdrawing money frequently and unnecessarily. Otherwise, all you will have managed to do is create an additional spending account. Number two, scale up your savings with your pay. One of the advantages of siphoning off money at the source is that you can often set it up as a percentage of your pay. Whenever I've done this, I've had to fill out a form with HR or payroll. On that form, I've usually had the option to specify a dollar amount or a percentage. If you choose to set aside a percentage of your income, then, as your income grows, so will the amount that you set aside. So, if you want to pay yourself first and set aside 15% of your pay, 
probably the easiest way to do this is to go into your HR department and fill out the form. The rest is automatic. Because of just how easy and effective this approach is, I highly recommend it, especially if you're struggling to get started with any savings and investment. The reality is, if you're not controlling your budget, then you probably won't even notice that the money is no longer coming into your account. Ironically, people on a strict budget are more likely to notice the difference. Number three, crush your mortgage. Perhaps you're setting aside money for an investment, but there aren't many good opportunities just now. Some big-time real estate investors will tell you that there are always opportunities. Maybe they're right. But in the few years that I've been at it, I've observed that the market operates in waves. When it crests, prices are high, and it's usually a terrible time to purchase a cash-flowing property. When the market troughs, however, prices are low, and it's time to buy. If you are in a crest, waiting for a trough, your money will be building up in your bank account. The problem with this is that you'll earn interest on this money and then owe tax on those earnings. This makes no sense if you also have a mortgage payment for which you're paying interest. It might make sense to ride out a market crest by paying down your debt. This allows you to get yourself in a better financial position by converting cash into equity and reducing debt. It saves money in interest payments. You can always borrow money against your home later with a home equity line of credit, HELOC, when the time is right for buying. But beware, paying your mortgage is not the same as investing. Taking this approach might make sense for a while, but it could tie up your funds if the bank won't allow you to draw on your home equity when you're ready to invest. Always keep in mind that investing is the higher priority. You must plant seeds to grow a forest. Number four. Set aside that phantom paycheck. Do you get paid every two weeks? If most of your bills go out monthly, then you're probably tempted to average out all 26 of your paychecks over the course of a year and then divide those across 12 monthly budget periods. This is technically correct. However, most months you will receive exactly two paychecks. Then, once every six months, it feels like you win the lottery when you receive an extra paycheck. If you've been counting on this paycheck, then your financial situation will likely feel like a rubber band. Your finances stretch tighter and tighter until this extra paycheck finally appears and the tension is released. A better tactic is to build your monthly budget based on what you bring home in two of your bi-weekly checks. If you can live on this amount, then every six months, you will receive an extra paycheck that can be set aside for investing. This would amount to 7.7% of your take-home pay. This might not seem like too much, but if you also siphon off, say, about 7.5% of your income into a retirement fund before your take-home pay, then combined, you'd be setting aside more than 15% of your income. Using several of these incremental approaches in combination could really help you to get to where you're wanting to go. Number five, invert the usual approach of investing only a percentage of your bonus. Throughout my career, my employers have tended to pay out a modest annual bonus. I'm very grateful for it. Still, it has usually been roughly equivalent to a phantom paycheck. This means that it's also pretty easy to just spend it. But when I consider what it could have amounted to had I invested the money, the only correct action is a facepalm. 
These days, if and when I get a bonus, I usually take my wife out for a nice dinner and bank the rest of it in our investment account. This way, I invert or flip the usual approach of investing a percentage off the top. I only take a small portion off the top for spending while leaving the rest for investment. Also, if you're siphoning money off at the source for a retirement fund or other investment savings, check with your employer to ensure that this applies to your bonus payments as well. This way, paying yourself first applies to all of your income, not just your standard paycheck. Number six, live on one income. Do you have a dual income family? Try putting together a household budget based on only one of the two household incomes. Set aside the second income for investment. This may seem like a real challenge, but there are times in life when you must adopt this approach anyway. When my wife went off work to have our children, we were forced to adjust our lifestyle to fit within my paycheck. To do so, we got ourselves on a relatively strict budget. As my wife started back to work part-time, we chose not to increase our lifestyle to absorb the additional income. Instead, we set it aside for investing. As our kids head off to school, my wife is starting to work more hours. Because we are set up this way, rather than just spend more, we are poised to supercharge our investing instead. Even if you and your partner both have steady incomes, this can be a great strategy. It will obviously be easier to adjust your lifestyle initially to live on the higher of the two incomes. This is a great start. But if you want to challenge yourself further, consider whether you can budget your lifestyle to live on the lesser of the two incomes. If you can achieve this, then not only will you be setting aside a significant chunk of money for investment, but you will also create resilience to the temporary loss of either income. In our case, my wife earns an hourly wage. If for any reason she works fewer hours in a given pay period, this reduces the amount that we bring in. In contrast, I earn a salary. This makes my pay more consistent and easier to budget around. Number seven, live on one semi-monthly paycheck. Want to really challenge yourself? All right, well, let's say you get paid twice monthly on the 15th and the last day of each month. Ask yourself a simple question. Could you live on just one of those two paychecks? For some, this may seem impossible, but I wish I had asked myself this question when I was young and single. If I'd tried, I'm sure I could have figured out a way to answer yes. Instead, I spent it all when I could have been setting aside 50% of my income. Imagine that. Number eight, don't grow into your new income. Do you find yourself in the situation of having a sudden and significant increase in income? For example, a new job or a promotion that brings with it a significant jump in pay? Ask yourself this question or discuss with a partner. Can we be happy with our lifestyle exactly as it is today? Do we have any outstanding needs that must be fulfilled right now? For example, if you have kids and you're living in a dangerous neighborhood, maybe you should think about using your change of situation to provide a safer environment for you and your family. But if you're living in an acceptable neighborhood and you're relatively happy with it, then maybe you can forego the extras. Sure, you'd love to have a bigger, nicer house, maybe some more luxuries like a new car, a big old TV, but you're actually doing fine. Here's an example. 
Let's say you've been earning $55,000, a rough U.S. household median income, using actually 2014 numbers, and you just got a 10% pay increase by switching to a new job. That's a gross increase of $5,500 before taxes. You'll pay about 25% in taxes on the increase, leaving you with $4,125. If you're contributing to your retirement account at 10% of gross income, then that contribution will increase by $550 annually. See? You've already scaled. This leaves you with $3,575 or about $298 per month. Extra. This is where you need to get tough on yourself. Instead of using that money to increase your lifestyle now, ask yourself if you can be happy living as you are and instead set that money aside each month for investment. Perhaps you want to build up a fund to save for a deposit on a rental property. It could take a few years, but this is your chance to get started. Start setting that money aside. If you're more keen on stocks, then you could use that money to start creating a stock portfolio. As an aside, always round up. That extra $298 per month available would prompt me to start setting aside $300 a month. It may not seem like much, but it forces you to shave $2 from somewhere else in your budget. This kind of trimming, done regularly, keeps you living a more lean lifestyle while you're building investments. Let's conclude things with just a couple more thoughts today. Sometimes you really do need to use additional money for day-to-day -day living. When I received my most recent annual incremental increase, I wanted to funnel all of the money into either our investment account or put it against the mortgage to pay it down faster. But my wife told me we needed money for other things. Our small kids are growing up and starting to eat more. We were starting to run short on our grocery budget regularly. And we're not exactly feasting like royalty. In addition, all of our insurance premiums went up, as they do every year. Pretty quickly, my incremental pay increase incrementally disappeared. But because we siphoned some money off at the source, and this scales with our incomes, we at least managed to reap some benefit from the pay increase. And since we combined several of these approaches already, we can accept it when life occasionally does get a little more expensive. As always, if you have consumer debt, anything other than your home mortgage, then you should first use any extra money toward paying off those debts. Once you have eliminated consumer debt, you have the opportunity to start saving for investment. Any strategy you can adopt to fool yourself into setting aside more money for investment is a huge step forward. Combining several strategies compounds the effect. Creating an environment of artificial scarcity is a great way to trick yourself into becoming wealthy. That's a wrap on today's episode of Bigger Pockets Daily. If you're enjoying the show, can I ask for a favor? Please leave us a rating and review in Apple Podcasts. It takes a few seconds, and your feedback really helps us out. Thank you. Oh, really? And we'll see you again soon.